What a privilege to open up the Bible on a uh, beautiful Southern California morning and, uh, and look in Matthew chapter 18. I've been looking forward to this all week, so why don't you stand with me as you find Matthew 18. We're going to read verses 7 through 11 today. We're talking today about stumbling blocks and how easy it is to stumble and fall and what Jesus has to say about it. Matthew chapter 18, beginning at verse 7. Woe to the world for temptations to sin. For it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word and thank you for this day and thank you for your presence with us now. Lord, as we, as we think about your word today and as we are challenged by it and comforted by it and, and taught by you, we pray, Lord, that you would have your way with us, that we would see wonderful things in your word, that we would respond in obedience, that we would respond in worship, we'd respond, Lord, by, by, by desiring to serve you in everything. And we, co- we commit this time to you in Christ's name. Amen. So you, met, you notice I did not read verse 11 because in the ESV there is no verse 11. Uh, most, uh, some of the best manuscripts don't have verse 11 in it, though it is in Luke in the exact same wording that Son of Man came to seek what is lost. So it is true, it probably just wasn't in Matthew. Let's talk today about stumbling and about stumbling blocks in particular. And we all know how easy it is to stumble and fall. I've done it many times, physically, as I'm walking or running. Uh, especially though, it's, it's tough when you're, when you're tripped up by something or someone. It's, it's a tough thing to do, it's very uncomfortable, it can be often painful. Uh, you can think of childhood pranks, you know, putting your foot out as someone's walking down the aisle in class and you... You trip them. That's an obvious one. Uh, you think of in war, there are trip wires that you know, can blow you up and kill you. Um, think about uh, lawsuits over cracked cement. My dad worked with civil, in civil liabilities department with, for the DA in LA for a while, and they had to deal with some of that. And then you have the cultural catchphrase, I've fallen and I can't get up, uh, made popular by Media Alert. I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend named Dan Kikuchi that was in a cross-country race and he got clotheslined by a, a rope he didn't see. He was coming to the finish line in a race as fast as he could and it hit him right under the chin and it broke his neck. That was a stumble that was pretty, uh, pretty shocking to see. Uh, 
biggest sports stumbling incident that I've heard of is the 1984 Olympics with uh, Mary Decker and Zola Budd and the women's 3,000 meter race. And um, midway through the race, uh, the two of them are jostling. Zola Budd's in first place and, and Mary Decker is right behind them. And they're, they're kind of jostling and all of a sudden Mary Decker uh, falls and she's out of the race. Zola Budd keeps on going, doesn't win the race. And uh, at first they, you know, they, they, she was very, very angry at, at Zola Budd, the South African who was running for England. And she, she, uh, she, you know, protested and they disqualified Zola Budd. Until later when they saw uh, and reviewed it, it was like, hey, they, they tripped and they stumbled over one another. It was just not on purpose. It just happened. Uh, the most memorable stumbling incident for me was when I was in high school. I was running the half mile and, uh, at El Rancho High School uh, against uh, it was the league prelims and I was coming to the final stretch and I was in second place and uh, someone came in from the inside and pushed me and I stumbled I got spiked 17 stitches later and inside of my right thigh it was painful it was bloody it was uh, and and he got disqualified for doing it uh, because he stumbled me in the middle of a race caused me to trip and fall well it's easy to do that physically probably even easier to do so spiritually that's what we're talking about today it's easy to trip and fall in sin and whether you trip alone or with the help of someone else it's usually not pretty and when we see in these verses is and what jesus is saying to us is that believers in particular are not to cause others to fall in sin so that they would be found to be working with god rather than against god Uh, you need to be careful not to cause yourself or others to sin so that you will please god now this is serious business jesus is speaking of hell here we know it's serious business and the stakes are high jesus doesn't want his followers playing with fire jesus doesn't want his followers going into the danger zone in sin now what we've already seen in this chapter is that in matthew 18 1 through 6 that you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven in your own strength in your own sufficiency And what we also saw is that Jesus defends those who belong to him. He defends those who live in the kingdom as children of God from any assault on them. His language in verse 6 of this chapter is very strong. He says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, to stumble, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depth of the sea. Go swimming with a millstone for an anchor. The path to greatness, Jesus says, in his kingdom is through humility, through self-emptying, and those who take this position are those whom Christ calls his own and promises to defend. Now the context that we're seeing here in Matthew chapter 18 is Jesus' fourth of five discourses um, where He is bringing up very important points. This one is the fourth of five, and it's one on life in the kingdom of God. It's one on life in the kingdom of God, chapters 18 through 20. It's a picture of the covenant community of the king and how that covenant community ought to interact, how that covenant community ought to live. Now, in these verses we're looking at today, and they all blend together in context but in Matthew 18, verses 7, uh, really through 10, but we'll, we'll count it for 11, Jesus is making it clear that living the kind of life that he calls us to 
is both rewarding and all-encompassing. It is rewarding precisely because it demands everything. And he's saying that the world puts temptations to sin before his people. Verse 7, woe to the world. That, that, swath, that wide swath of humanity that doesn't know him. Woe to the world for temptation to sin. The world puts temptation to sin before his people, but his call to us is to overcome and defeat sin. To overcome and defeat sin. And if we really believe in eternal fire and in suffering beyond the grave, we will do everything we can in God's strength to ensure that we enjoy the eternal life he promises to his people. Look with me at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. It says this, Be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, those are the qualities listed in the verses previous, Virtue and knowledge and self-control and steadfastness and godliness. If you practice these qualities, you will never fall. You will never literally stumble. The same word that Jesus uses here in Matthew 18. So look with me at verse 7. What we see and what we're going to see here is, is what a stumbling block is, first of all. He says, woe to the world for temptations to sin. Stumbling blocks. So what is a stumbling block? A stumbling block quite simply is something that tempts another person to sin. A stumbling block is something that tempts another to sin. Now there are two similar and related words that are being used in this passage. The first is scandalon. The second is scandalizo. Now we get our, our word scandal and scandalize from these words, but they have a different meaning uh, than we would use these words. Scandalon was the part of a, of, of a trap that the bait was put on. Uh, a trap to, to uh, kill a, a, a small animal. And so it was the part of the trap that the bait was put onto. Picture maybe a mouse trap. Where you put your piece of cheese. But it came to mean the bait or the trap itself. So it's a trap, it's bait, in order to lead you to sin and disobey God. In fact, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 23, when Jesus is speaking to, to Peter, and this is when Peter said, never will, you, never will you go to the cross, never will you die. Jesus turns and says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. Same word, scandal on, you are a hindrance to to me, you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And that's really what a stumbling block is. When someone doesn't set their mind on the things of God, but on the things of man, and they, they put something in another's path that would cause them to sin. Stumbling block. Now it's always used, this, this word scandalon is always used as a metaphor in the New Testament. It's not ever used as in a literal bait trap. Uh, but it's anything that's a hindrance, anything that causes someone else to fall by the wayside. 
Now, the second word is scandalizo, and it's the idea of actively putting that trap in front of someone. Actively putting a snare or stumbling block in someone's way. This word, by the way, is one of Matthew's favorite words. It's used 14 times in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, what we see is that you are not to to do this. (laughs) You're not to put something in a brother or a sister's way to cause them to stumble. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 8.13. He said, if food makes my brother stumble, I'm not going to eat that food. If anything I choose to do, even in my freedom in Christ, causes my brother or my sister to stumble, I'm not going to do that thing. So it's the idea of not causing to stumble. That go with me to 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 32. And the idea is of not doing something that would cause someone to fall. Verse 31 says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. So everything in life is covered here. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Verse 32 says, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. So don't give any offense to anyone, believers or unbelievers, and especially in your local assembly, in the local church, to the church of God. And then he says, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. An opportunity for the gospel an opportunity for them to hear of Christ and not be stumbled inadvertently by something we may do or we may say that would divert them from Christ. Don't do anything to lead anyone astray. Now, scandalon, that first word, is is the cause of sin. It's what trips people up. Scandalizo is to cause to sin, to be the tripper. (laughs) And what we find in these verses is something about stumbling blocks. No surprise, this word is used very, very often in this dense passage. Stumbling blocks. What do we find out about stumbling blocks in these verses? First thing we see is they're wrong. Obvious point. They're wrong. Verse 7, again, woe to the world. Woe to those. And by the way, woe is the idea of impending doom on a person woe to those who are against God who tempt his children but then it gets personal it says woe to the one by by whom the temptation comes so it's not just the world it's you and me woe to us if the temptation comes through us woe to the person even the Christian who sins and there is no Christian who does not sin Woe to the Christian who sins and brings others with them. The person, by the way, who, who stumbled can't blame anyone but their self. Sometimes we stumble ourselves. Sometimes we stumble others. Don't go blame someone else for stumbling you. You chose it. You saw the bait, and you took the bait. What else do we see about stumbling blocks? Well, they're a part of life. That's just the way it's going to be. That's what Jesus says. He says it is necessary, verse 7, it is necessary that temptations come. Another translation says they're inevitable. 
It's going to happen. Get used to it. This is life. There are temptations in life. Don't go blaming everyone for giving in to those temptations. Temptations are inevitable. God is sovereign and he knows they're there. So they're, they're part of life. They're inevitable. God allows them to exist, but people are responsible for their own actions. We always like to shift blame. We always like to shift responsibility onto someone else so that we can feel like it wasn't our fault. Temptations to sin, stumbling blocks are wrong and they're a part of life and they're also to be avoided. Don't go there. You really want to step in a bear trap? Mangle your ankle? They're to be avoided. The second woe in verse 7 tells us that we're to avoid. Woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And then Jesus gets into something very, very serious that has also been taken wrongly in many ways. Verse 8, and if your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Now Jesus is not sitting there with a machete. He didn't bring a machete with him to hack off someone's arm that would be really bloody, first of all. They couldn't continue the conversation. He's not talking about bodily mutilation. It's not literal. You, if you want to understand these, ver- these two mixed verses, you've got to understand he's speaking in hyperbole. It's a deliberate exaggeration to show how important the point is. He's not saying, whack off your arm with a hacksaw. He's saying... Don't let sin rule in your life. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. He's saying it's better to go to heaven in part than hell whole. Verse 9, if your, if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. Now, he's not going to start gouging people's eyes out. It's not literal this way, right? It's a hyperbole. It's a, 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 a on-purpose exaggeration to show how necessary it is to be self-disciplined and to radically remove sin from your life. Radically expel sin. Kick sin out of the class. Because it's misbehaving. It's not commanding self-mutilation, but illustrates the horror of hell. And by the way, hell is what we all deserve apart from Christ. You wake up in the morning, you eat your Cheerios, and you say, thank you, Jesus. I don't deserve this. You get in your car, and you drive to your work, and you say, thank you, Jesus. I should be walking. I don't even deserve to be working. You can think about everything in life and say everything is a gift from God, undeserved, especially heaven. We all deserve hell apart from Christ. By the way, these verses, they match Matthew 5, 29 through 30, in that context, speaking of purity and of life and of heart. But serious business. Jesus saying, don't mess around with this. Don't mess around. What else do we see about stumbling blocks here? Well, in verse 10, we see they're monitored by God. God is monitoring. You might have an alarm system at your house. And it might be monitored by a company that's sitting there and you're hoping they're paying attention over at the home office, right? Because your house is getting broken into and you're hoping that their alarm company is going to call the police. 
Jesus is saying that God is monitoring human activity. Look at verse 10. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. Don't look down on and treat them like nothing. One of these little ones? A little child? No. Anyone of any age who believes in Christ. Anyone of any age who's trusting in Jesus. Don't despise one of these little ones, he's saying, the ones that believe in me. For I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who's in heaven. Now this has been used by a lot of people to say, see, we, have, we all have a guardian angel. You know, my guardian angel was watching over me, that's why I didn't get run over by a truck. No, you didn't get run over by a truck because God didn't allow you to get run over by a truck. This is not teaching that everyone has a guardian angel. There's no scriptural um, warrant for that. Um, it says their angels continually behold the face of the Father. Angels beholding God's face, not guardian angels. There's no biblical support for that view. It means angels in general who serve God by serving believers. Look with me at Hebrews 1.14, probably the best statement of this. Hebrews 1.14 and the idea here, the emphasis is on how God cares for his own by providing for them. Of angels, he says, are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Angels do God's bidding, do God's service, being sent out by him to render service to Christians. But this is not teaching that you have a guardian angel. You are special. Just not that special. The emphasis here in these verses are on God's care over his own, not on some angel that's responsible to watch over you. The other thing, one more thing that, that I want to point out that we, that we learn about stumbling blocks is that they are reason for judgment. They are reason for judgment. That's why Jesus is speaking of the hell of fire. That's why Jesus is talking about the eternal fire. And again, what we really deserve. They are reason for judgment. God will judge the one. Those woes that are being pronounced is because God's judgment will be upon the one who causes others to sin. Now, one thing to be keeping in mind here, again, I mentioned that verse 11, some of your Bibles have verse 11. They're all going to have an asterisk there because uh, the, most, um, the best manuscripts uh, don't have this verse that says, for the Son of Man came to save the lost. Luke 19.10 has those words. Those are true words. The Son of Man did come to save the lost. Most likely, though, they just weren't in the original documents here in Matthew's Gospel. Now, one thing to, to also point out before we go on is that salvation is not being taught here. The way of salvation is not by lopping off your arms or gouging out your eye to earn your way through, through self-discipline um, self or self-mutilation or even trying to be sinless in some way. That's not what this is teaching. We know that salvation is by God's grace through faith in Christ, not through self-denial, not through apparent uh, or... or uh, of tempted sinlessness so be aware of this this is not speaking of the way to be saved that's elsewhere in scripture but the big question for us today is how can we avoid stumbling other people and how can we avoid stumbling ourselves 
really two-part question. How can we avoid stumbling someone else, and how can we avoid stumbling ourselves? So let's look at those, look at that question kind of in those two parts. Go with me to Romans 14, Romans 14, verse 13. Romans 14, 13. It says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. It doesn't get clearer than that. You decide beforehand. You don't decide when you're, when you're going to do the thing. You decide beforehand never, that means never, put a hindrance or a stumbling block in the way of a brother, in their path so that they might fall. Don't do it. And how do you, how do you avoid that? That's the question. How do you avoid it? Well, the first thing I'd say is you've got to exercise wisdom. You've got to think. You've got to use your, the brain um, that, that God gave you. And don't be unwise, but wise. James 1 tells us, if you lack wisdom, ask him, and he will give it to you. And ask in faith. Don't doubt. Say, Lord, what should I do? I don't know what to do. Lord, give me wisdom. He's going to give you the wisdom to do what will please him. You're going to have a choice, though, of whether you're going to follow that wisdom or not. It's always a choice we make to put the cheese on the bait. What else ought you to do to avoid stumbling someone else? Well, defend other believers. Defend other believers. Yes, be your brother's keeper. Don't be like hidden reefs and clouds without water, like Jude says. Remember, you're on the same team with Christians. You're on the same team with people who profess faith in Christ. They're not your enemies. Satan is your enemy. 1 Thessalonians 4, speaking of sexual purity, says don't defraud your brother in the matter because God is the avenger. Don't engage, don't cheat them out of, out of the, the blessings that God intends for other believers. Interestingly, um, stumbling blocks, what are they motivated by? They're not motivated by love. They're motivated by pride. If you're going to defend another believer, you've got to leave check pride at the door. If you're going to care for other believers to the point where you defend them and not pick on them and not point the finger at them and not put them down, you have got to check your pride at the door and engage in love. That's what Jesus is talking about. Loving your brothers enough not to put a stumbling block in their way as you live in the covenant community of the king. 1 John 2 talks about the one who loves his brother and doesn't give cause for offense. When you, when you love your brother, you don't give cause for offense. Love is the best safeguard against the woes that Jesus said would be on those who cause others to stumble. One more thing you, ought, you, you have to do if you're going to avoid stumbling someone is serve God, not sin. Serve God, not sin. Romans chapter 6 points that out to us. Romans chapter 6 and verse 12 says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will not have dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. 
Jesus is your master now if you're a believer, not sin. Don't let sin reign in your life. You used to present yourself as a slave to sin. Now in Christ, you present yourself to God as a slave to righteousness. That's how you avoid stumbling someone. Well, how do we avoid stumbling ourselves, though? When I was a kid, I I once collided with my younger sister as we were both trying to go out the same sliding door. We both went flying. She went into a tree. My nose went into the corner of the redwood picnic table. Split it right down the middle. It's hanging there right down the middle. I didn't have to wear a cast. Broken nose. No, I didn't have to put anything on it. It was just right down the middle. Clean break. Clean, clean break. Um, but it was an accident. I didn't try to trip my sister. She didn't try to trip me. And that's the way it usually goes with spiritual stumbles. I don't know many Christians who purposely plan out for other people to fall. Some of you are going, I do. I'm looking at your faces going, really? Really? (laughs) Well, so you know people. I got nicer friends than you, I guess. Most, Most falls in the Christian community come about innocently, even almost harmlessly, even though they, they, they cause harm. They're not, the motive isn't to mess people up. But the worst stumbling happens when it is premeditated. When someone plots for someone else to fall. It's like the mouse trap. You, whether you use the cheese or the sticky bait with the peanut butter in it, whichever one you, you choose, you are planning for that mouse to go in there and die. Meet his end. Now, interestingly, we primarily stumble other people accidentally on our part, though we're still guilty. Inadvertently, but we're still to blame. But we stumble ourselves on purpose. We stumble ourselves on purpose. Have you thought about that before? We're fully aware, fully awake, wide awake, with malice and a forethought. They stumble onto stumbling. We premeditate it in our own lives. We plan it out. When you plan out to sin, you're stumbling yourself. And you might and probably will carry someone else with you. You do hardly anything alone in life. So be careful. Don't go too far. Don't be found and never have known Jesus. Some people go too far. They play with fire and they find out that Jesus says to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You don't want Jesus saying that to you. So how do you avoid stumbling? Quickly, three things. Be careful how you live, first of all. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Ephesians chapter 5. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Sexual immorality and all impurity and covetedness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Don't associate with them. You were once darkness. Now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Be careful how you live. Don't condemn yourself in what you allow into your life. If it's not from faith, it is sin, Romans 14 tells us. 
How can we who died to sin still revel in it? How can we who died to sin rejoice in sin? How can we whose polluted souls have been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb still live in the gutter? Don't use willful sin as an excuse to get more grace. Second thing is flee temptation. You don't have to stumble on that stumbling block that's right in front of you. You can run away from it. Think Joseph in the Old Testament in in Genesis. Think Joseph. He had opportunity. He just didn't have motive. His motive was to please God. Self-discipline is needed. Talks about purity and honesty and integrity here. So lust and enticement and scandal and gossip and slander and gluttony and sexual sin and even pornography and theft and other things are going to mess us up. There's a lot of men in this room that are in a snare of sexual sin in the form of pornography. Think about it. Is your foot caught and you know it and you can't get yourself unstuck? You you need help. Galatians 5, 6, 1 says that if anyone is caught in any sin, those who are spiritual, those who are filled with the Spirit, ought to restore such a one with a spirit of gentleness, looking to themselves, lest they too be tempted. And it's not enough to simply flee sin. The last thing is you've got to run to Jesus. You've got to run to Jesus. You must pursue, pursue Christ And here's the amazing thing. Stumbling blocks, most of the time in the Bible, are spoken of as negative things. But in one instance, it's a good thing. It's Jesus Christ. It's the message of the cross. Jesus said that all who the Father gives to him will come to him by God's grace, through faith in Christ. And that's what's beautiful about the gospel. The gospel kills the sin that was killing us and replaces it with the life of Christ in us. So that we don't have to stumble. We will, but we don't have to. We can choose in the power of the Holy Spirit to do what is right. You know, one day there will be no more sin. Revelation 22 tells us that. There will be no more sin. There will be nothing in heaven that is accursed. And by the way, there will be no more stumbling blocks. We will be free at that point from stumbling blocks. But we live here. Our hope is there. But we live here. And we are, are used to stumbling blocks. Don't let yourself be the, be the person who puts the block puts the bait trap, puts the cheese in front of someone else. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that Jesus Christ is the rock of offense. That Jesus, the good one, took our evil so that we, the evil ones, might become good in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that to deal with our stumbling and sin You place Jesus in the way of sinners so that they might either stumble over Him or believe and be saved from Your wrath. Lord, may we believe and may we, Lord, resolutely flee from sin and run to You. We pray in Your name. Amen.